Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. With me, Russell Guyver, and I am welcoming onto the show for the second time our special guest, an Albion fan, but a filmmaker as well, Louis Miles. Welcome back to the podcast, Louis. How are you? Yeah, always a pleasure, Russell. Yeah, it, it, very well. Just back from holiday and uh, back to the heat here in, in the UK, which is a nice place to be. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I went to Peter's wedding on Friday and avoided the 34 degrees, managing to get to 24 degrees. That was a good strategy for my part. Um, yeah. Not that it was planned, but um, yeah. it was a bit too hot that day. But yeah, and you have been amongst um, other places, I think, in Croatia recently for reasons we'll get into in a moment. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yeah, I spent um, quite a bit of time over the last year uh, in Zagreb and Split and all around the country. Uh, and it's a beautiful place to go. I recommend it to, to anyone. Yep. And it's it's on my list, certainly, of places I want to visit. Um, but the reason you're over there, or part of the reason, is um, because you've got a connection to it with your latest film. Now, we, we had you on before talking about Kaiser, about a guy who blags an entire career in South American football uh, without really having any talent at all and feigning lots of injuries to, to manage to achieve his, his goals, um, knowing some people along the way. That's the general crux of that, of that, um, that documentary. This time around, you focused on Croatia in a film called Croatia, Defining a Nation, which um, tells the tale of really um, the, the upcoming uh, sensational team that they had in the 90s um, and the origins of that and what the backstory is. Um, I've watched it in the last uh, couple of days and think it's an excellent film. Really, really good. So con- first of all, congratulations on it. Um, but for those that... Um, haven't seen it yet, and that'll be many at, the, at this stage. Tell us about it um, in more detail and how it came about, actually. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the film's, uh, as you say, about the 1998 uh, Croatian team, and I think anyone of who's probably 35 and over will remember that team and perhaps the 1996 team where Croatia was kind of announced to the world as a football side um, in that amazing tournament uh, with their very striking red check shirts. Uh, and wonderful football. They were they were an absolutely brilliant side with some fantastic players like uh, Zvonimir Boban, Davos Suka, uh, Robert Prozinetsky, um, 
Eagles D-match, Slovan Village, Robert Yarny, the list goes on and on and on of, of world-class players. Um, and it's a story that um, uh, is very deeply connected to the wars that happened with, within the former Yugoslavian republics. Um, you know, for those of a younger age, they might not know, but um, there were a few states that were tied together in a, in a place called Yugoslavia, uh, Croatia, uh, Slovenia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, um, Serbia, Montenegro, North Macedonia, uh, and I'm probably forgetting some others, Kosovo, and, and like little, little automated republics as well. And they, it was held together as a kind of a socialist republic, effectively like a light form of communism. Um, and they, it was a very, very brutal war that happened there over the course of most of the 90s, but Croatia was involved in it in the first five years or so, so as the republic split apart. And this story kind of tells the narrative of the breakup of Yugoslavia through the prism of football, and it's very deeply connected. Um, the uh, essentially during Yugoslavia as a as a as a as a republic, you could not express your national identity. So you couldn't say if you're in the UK now, um, fly any Welsh flag or any Scots flag and sing any Scottish songs or do anything like that. All of that was banned and it brutally repressed. Um, but um, after the leader of Yugoslavia died, Tito, um, and he died in the middle of a, of a football match, um, uh, it, it took about 10 or so years for the forces of nationalism to, to rise up within the republics. And that happens through football. Um, and then the wars happen and break apart. And it's very connected to football because... Um, uh, the Yugoslav team was amazing and they were always brilliant, never quite won something. They got like second in the European Championships, but um, they were always a brilliant team. The league was very strong. But through football, as you're a football fan, it's about the only place you could proclaim to be a Croatian. So if you supported Dinamo Zagreb or Hajduk Split, um, you could wave a Croatian flag uh, and sing a Croatian song. And the people that wanted power as in, in the breakup of Slobodan Milosevic, Andrew Tudjman, they kind of force-fed all of their ideas through those football fans. Um, and the players were involved as well. So, I mean, a very, very key part of the film and the entire story is a game between Pajdek Split and um, Dino Zagreb at Maximir Stadium. Three days after the first uh, elections that have, I mean, that there's a Croatian um, uh, parliament um, and there's an organised riot that takes place. The game never really takes place at all. Um, and paramilitary leaders from Belgrade start attacking and causing a riot uh, in the Maximin Stadium. And Zvonimir Bogam, the eventual captain of uh, uh, Croatia, fly kicks a referee. And that, that kick is kind of considered to be um, the kick that started the war. I don't think it did. I think it was going to happen anyway. But uh, there's a there's a monument outside the stadium that says, for all those considered this kick to start the war. And it's gone down in folklore there. So the players were very connected to um, the the story of the breakup. And it shows, it's showing the breakup of Yugoslavia, the journey of these players from teenagers, really, in the, in the early 80s, through to some of them playing for Yugoslavia, some of them not. Uh, the breakup of the Yugoslav side, and then the the um, uh, the birth of Croatia, as it were, and how football was very, very, very integral in giving the national identity, um, which it absolutely, absolutely has. And that moment when they finished third in 1998 brings so much joy to this new nation because it's kind of like a, re a release valve being being taken off, you know. Um, although you'll never get rid of the the, the 
brutal war that happened um but uh and the memories of it but you have something else to focus on and and those those players are demigods and they still are today so that's kind of it's sorry it's a bit of a lengthy explanation there Russell, but that's, that's kind cool. of <laughs> that's kind of the the, the, the three things and, and the job the, what the film does is it kind of takes um the narrative of everything and pulls it together and shows that how that um was a key part but of course it's not the entire part of the wall there's lots that goes on for there but um um it's still a it, it's uh, still very relevant only in the documentary they do uh, it's mentioned that uh, the Yugoslav team had its factions and we're not talking about Man United and Liverpool players in a in a Sven Joran Eriksson style scenario here we're talking about obviously Serbian factions Croatian factions and how that was often hindrance to um to the mm. national team and maybe one of the reasons why they didn't quite get those extra step to win a trophy but um um I, I think Slavan Bilic is one of a number of uh, the key players literally or metaphorically of the time um is is, is interviewed um, at length as well and he's i think it's him that says um you can't separate football from politics they are indelibly linked and obviously that's with a slant towards his particular part of the world but i think it's probably true certainly to an extent um even now as we're seeing with uh, sanctions on russian players and that sort of thing oh 100 um, percent yeah yeah but it, it's. I found it a number of things I really liked about the film. I think it's um, it's crystallised a few things I already knew, um, but it's um, it's certainly educated me on a lot of other details. Uh, I hadn't really thought, for example, that there was the four main clubs, wasn't there? I think two Serbian, two Croatian, who were the yeah. So yeah, the uh, Dinamo Zagreb, Partizan Belgrade, and Sveshnevska Red Star Belgrade are the, the four big big teams that won most things. Yeah. And they obviously played a big part in, in influencing what, what went on. And I think it was, it's interesting to get a lot more of the background and some of the details along those lines. What I also liked was it was beautifully shot. I think the interviews are done in very kind of pristine ways. But equally, I loved seeing, I think there was even some Super 8 footage, wasn't there, early in the documentary, um, and some other older footage as well in, in other formats, um, as depicted it intersperses political speeches and other conversations and actions that were going on at the time with obviously loads of footage of Croatian and Serbian football or Yugoslav football, um, a lot of which we wouldn't have seen before, I don't think. Mm. And I really like the um, the intertitles where you've got sort of um, players' names in a sort of like a animated. Uh, yeah. They're really yeah. good. Uh, yeah, my wife. Yeah, well, that. that's that's all. That's all thanks to a, a wonderful designer called Sarah Nesterik, uh, who I worked with ten years ago, uh, and then she went off and did a PhD at um, Huddersfield University, so it was off the market for a long time. And this is her first gig back, and oh. it was weird when this came around. I thought she'd be the best for it because uh, we did a lot of work in Ukraine. Um, around 2012 uh and she's part ukrainian so i knew that i knew she she would she would really research the styles and all the rest of it and look you know she nailed it first time and um i'll send you the poster as well i mean she's done a great job on that um just looks fabulous yeah that's that's terrific yeah i mean it's, it's a great looking film i think it's very interesting there's, there's so much detail in there which i certainly didn't know either much or anything about before mm. so i think it's very educational but it's very entertaining it flows nicely and i think that 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 era and that in that particular part of the world is a fascinating um segment of history i think it really was um the, the, the backdrop of this conflict this brutal bloody conflict the way football was used uh, the, we should mention also uh, there's four sets of ultras who are emerging at this point as well in in the story, um, and they are, 
I think at the heart of a lot of what's going on as well, aren't they? Some some brutal kind of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, we didn't want to get too far into it in the film because it's not, you know, it it is a truth, but not the complete truth of of what went on. But a lot of the fans who fought within those walls uh, were made up of of football supporters. Um, uh, They were the ones that were sent to the front lines. Um, So, you know, very, very key all the way around. Um, uh, And yeah, and as you say, it was a very incredibly brutal war. Um, I mean, the siege of Vukovar is, the most is the longest siege since Stalingrad, um, and I, I think that remains true to this day because the uh, the sieges in Ukraine seem to be shorter. Um, uh, so look, and, and there are obviously lots of parallels with what's going on at the minute in terms of the the themes behind the war, why the war's happening, um, and then also just ha- a, 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 as a PR game as well. I mean, this is um, war's incredibly brutal and horrible, but. Um, Tactics wise, how how um, towns are kind of sacrificed, but then also how countries are promoted. Um, Svonomir Zelensky has said to all of his football players that they must go to their clubs and fly the Ukrainian flag. Um, and that's exactly what happens in this film. These top, top players. Um, you've got to remember the, the kind of an interesting facet to all this. The Yugoslavian League was very, very strong because you could not leave the country or the Federation until you were 28. Um, so you had these amazing players who could never play outside Yugoslavia until there are other out there people just passed it. But what happened as a result of the war is that the likes of Boban, Suka, Stimach, Bilic, all the rest of them went at the age of 22, 23. And so then they played for, you know, Atsi Milan, um, Real Madrid, I mean, Prozinecki played for Real Madrid and Barcelona, you know. Um, uh, and, and then all of a sudden you've got these incredible players that you probably wouldn't have come across your radar before. Uh, unless there was a cup and his cup match or something. Um, now, now everyone was seeing these players all the time, and and their job was to promote Croatia. That was their number one aim. Goran even Isvic was the same. Um, um, even Maioli as well, a tennis player. They were they were they were given special permission not to fight in the war, uh, and uh, spe- instructions from uh, Dr. Tuzman, the, the leader of Croatia, to to go and promote their country and to to say all the right things. There's some incredible characters in this film as well. I can't remember exactly his name. Is it Blazimich, uh, the manager? With Chiro, the... Chiro, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. amazing. He is, he, is, he is genuinely one of the... He's, he gave me a, a massive life lesson, I think. Um, we, we interviewed him two days after he finished chemotherapy. Uh, and he's, he's on his third cancer now. And he wanted to do this interview because he, he knew that it was going to go... A few films have been made sort of on the sport, but for a local market, whereas this has been... Um, you can get this anywhere in the world now. Um, and um, he, uh, I mean, we did the interview with him. He was great. Um, and the thing is, what we realised that he's an absolute charm. And this is this. So for the for those who don't know who Chair is, he was the manager of that '98 side, '96 '98 side. Um, and he came to sort of become a national celebrity within Yugoslavia by winning the 82 championship with Dinamo Zagreb. And it's the first time they won it in 25 years. Usually the Serbian clubs won it because the league was fixed. Um, and uh, they were just so good that year. and so amazing um, that they won. And he, he was just always a massive character. But we found out that he was a charmer and he would say everything to make you feel good. Like everything to make you good, feel good. Um, uh, almost at the first time you meet him, uh, you, you meet him. So well, our, our, our Croatian producer is a lady called uh, Anna Muha, and she um, she was a correspondent over here for Croatian News. So she 
she knows a lot of people in politics here and all the rest of it. But he he looked at her the first time he met her and he said, I've seen you on the telly so much, my dear, but you are even more beautiful in person. I, I am astonished by your beauty. And we did the interview and he sat down next to me and he was smoking a, a, a cigar and he turned to me and he, he looked at me and he said, um, he said, you know, something about you remind, you remind me of um, Fellaini, the film director. You just have this certain aura about you. You're just fantastic. <laughs> and he would say this to everyone. I mean, like every, every story of Chira would be, what, has he, what did he say to you to make you feel good? Journalists would say at the age of 21, it's like, I've already noticed that you're the hardest working journalist in the room. Let me buy you dinner. And like, I, want to, I want to know how you've got such talent at such a young age. And, and, and he, he would just do anything to get you any, anything to anyone. He would find something straight away. And the first thing he says is positive. Um, and he, but through that, he created this amazing bond with a lot of big egos, right? I mean, that, 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 those, that team, you, you know, it's 96, 98 team, you're dealing with top, top players with a lot of personality, but also very strong-willed. I mean, you know, they're very political. You know, Boban fly kicked to copper um, and became a symbol for the breakup of Yugoslavia and spoke out a lot. These are people that don't hold back. You know, they have huge egos, and he, he was the only one that could really hold them together. And they still love him. We had a premiere in Zagreb about three weeks ago. And we had the current uh, first team over there, so Kovacic and all the rest of it were there. Um, and um, a few people couldn't make it. Boban couldn't make it because he was working for, for UEFA and Stimac and Asanovic were coaching their teams. But um, the ones that were there, they just, they, it was like watching a father with their son. It was amazing. I've never seen such a bond. And I should imagine it'd be a bit like that with, Fergie and his his team, but except I don't, I'm not sure he'd be quite so you know cuddly. Um, um, but it was he, he was just he was just amazing, and like everything he said was you know, you know. I, mean, I think one of the first lines in the film we introduce him and he and, he, and we build up this myth of Chiro, and the first thing he says was, "My mother wanted me to become a, a monk, so he sent me off to a monastery." But I fell in love with the nun and I was like, Mama, I cannot be a monk. I have to become a football coach. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, he, then it, and off he goes. So incredible, incredible character. Yeah. And the, this, this team obviously came to its, its peak in the mid to late 90s. Um, but there's a, a, there's a mention early, quite early in the film of um, a youth tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. world, I think it's World, world Youth Championships, wasn't it? In uh, Chile, or there was a match in Chile anyway, in Santiago. And the, the team went over and they were under various strict instructions. Yeah. Two of them... Yeah. Took quite a shine to the local girls. Went out and came came back up at six a.m. and the the coach of that team um, got wind of it and and ordered them home. And to show the great unity of the team, it says that the whole team just said, "Look, if if yeah. they go, we're not playing." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So that was the nineteen eighty seven Yugoslav um, youth team. And now uh, Yugoslav Yugoslav are always a good team. They had a good team, but this team, as a few players couldn't. Uh, play a lot of the clubs didn't want them to go because they thought it was beneath them so you had a slightly more Croatian bias in the 1987 team so out of the 11 six were Croatian and normally you'd only get one or two um so there was just more Croatians so Prozenets he was in there Suka was in there Yani was in there Bogan was in there uh Steamatch was in there yeah Steamatch as well so it's six of the first 11 that were Croatian and some more on the bench as well so out of a 20-man squad you know you're getting onto about about half uh were Croatian um, so that was unusual. And they, I mean, they they blew everyone off the park. I mean, you know, the first three games, they scored four goals. Uh, they beat an amazing Brazil side. Um, uh, and then they, they go on to win the title. 
yeah, East Germany and then West Germany. Yeah. Uh, they beat the two Germanys, including like Matthias Sammer playing for one of them. And so a lot of these guys end up playing in 96, you know, when they're unified from both teams. Yeah. Um, and they, they're just miles ahead of anyone. They can't, and it's kind of a major announcement to the world. Um, not least because, again, you know, unless Yugoslavia are playing in the tournament, people don't really know about any of these players because, you know, Beatty's, how are you going to get access to the Yugoslav League? You know, it's it becomes harder and harder. It's not like today where you can watch any match anywhere. Um, and so they get known worldwide from that, you know, because it's so astonishing how good they are. Um, and a lot of that team in 1987, those six, they all play in 96, 98. So they have this bond. And the ones who didn't play, like um, Slavan Bilic, I mean, he, he could never play for Yugoslavia because his father was um, a Croatian nationalist. He was involved in the Croatian Spring in 76. Um, and um, he, sorry, 71. And he, um, he, uh, he, uh, you know, he, 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 he's obviously a fantastic player, Slavan Bilic, an amazing player. Um, but um, he, he should have been good enough to play for the Yugoslav team, but he never received a call. And he got told later on that his card was marked because of what his dad did. But all these players play with each other from a young age. And so from 12, 13, it's like, it's like the guy you go to year seven in the school. And then, you know, by the time you're 31 or whatever, you know, you're fighting for your new country and you're the idols of your country. And you know, you have to do a bit more. And that's where they so that, that's why it's a real band of brother stories as well. And you see that in the footage. I mean, we, we talk about how good, how good friends they are, but actually they, they do so much stuff together. There's lots of, I mean, Steam match becomes a singer, you know, all the rest of it. But you know, they all have their own chat shows, all this sort of stuff. They kind of they become such big iconoclasts, um, and it's 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 lovely to see that bond. It really is. Yeah, and and that eighty seven team, uh, there was a mixed team, a Yugoslavian team, um, formed the fulcrum of of that uh, of that uh, team in the late nineties. Exactly. And it, uh, as you said earlier, a superb team full of world class players. And um, really hit the peak, which they've not, they're not quite, I don't think they've quite achieved again since. Although obviously they beat us and got to a final in a World Cup. Not too Well, long. I mean, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, we, I spoke to Luke, Luca couldn't make the, the premiere, but we saw him um, soon afterwards uh, and he saw the film. And he, as far as he's concerned, they, they got to the final in 2018 because of that 98 team. And we oh, say yeah. that at the end of the film, like yeah. we hope we've inspired maybe in 20 years' time we work out how good we've been um and uh you know they, they they i mean the younger players didn't know much about it but obviously dayan lovrin luka modric those those guys um uh mandukic or the rest of them they i mean they loved they grew up with the 98 team they're, they're idols and and it and it, and, it, and it absolutely has inspired them i mean we we didn't get it in the film because you've got you can't put everything in but <coughs> excuse me we spoke um at length with Slavin Village and Nico Granchkar actually about um, how um, what it's like playing for Croatia why is it different and they all say I mean Bilic in particular said he's obviously managed West Ham and, and all these places and he said you know what when international break comes around you get a lot of players who actually aren't that keen on going to play for their national side they'd rather have the time off or you know the rest of it but no that doesn't happen for Croatians for them it's going to seem their best friends and they're all going on, they, it's like they're going on holiday and they, they all love it when they go there. And it's that special pride that that, that still carries on, you know, to this day. And in a certain way, it always will be. If it's coming from 
where it's come from in this particular case from a, 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 unif well, a unified nation under the banner of Yugoslavia. Um, you know, there's that sense of nationalism that comes out of that. And mm. I think it, it's turned into a positive, obviously, in, in the way they used it. But um, you're going to have that strong sense of national pride, aren't you? And I think it really shows through. And as I said, a lot of a lot of good characters in there and a really recommendable film. How did it come about in the first place in terms of your, uh, you know, how, what was the genesis of the project? You know, it came by Mark Pugach. It's always been a story. It's always been a bit on the radar. Um, but I, I do a lot with Mark Pugach these days, and um, you know, we got a little company together, and um, we we got wind that this new uh, FIFA platform was starting, uh, and they wanted different different things. So uh, this film is available on, on FIFA Plus. It's a new uh, app that you can you can get on your phone or your desktop or your tablet. It's all free. Everything to watch on there is completely free. Um, and it will be coming to TVs towards the end of the year. They sort of got it out early and ahead of the World Cup, so it's ready, ready to go, and it'll it'll grow from here. And and their mandate was really to they wanted to be kind of guardians of, of football storytelling. And I think they're kind of right, having made quite a few football films amongst others. Um, there's it's quite difficult to get um, really amazing football stories away as as, as filmmakers. Um, you know, yes, there are some that we all know, like the Maradona's or um, uh, the New York Cosmos documentary or whatever, but um, um, they're few and far between. And a lot of what gets commissioned by certain streaming platforms is generally just focuses on who's the biggest name player that's around now and can we have a series around it because we know that the kids will watch it. And generally there's not story attached to it. And, and uh, their bet was, was like, well, look, there's a space for this. Um, we obviously hold the rights to a hell of a lot of archive um and so we can tell these stories plus we have you know um that you, you know ownership quite a lot of the tournaments so um their their remit was like look come with something different and um uh i, I like stories you know as you know that have a i mean i couldn't i couldn't make one of those films that's just on um you know a person with no I mean, obviously you can make it on a make like if you could do a Maradona but I couldn't do you know uh what's the one I couldn't do a Pogba for instance which is the one that's on yeah. Amazon now right yeah. um uh although I'd work with him and I've done stuff with him but like you know not in in that film sense um and um so it, it was our bet that you know they would they would like to do this and this was the first thing that they 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 went for I think across the board really um uh, and they they liked it because it was you know uh, it's a story that they can tell um, and they didn't you know given who it is and all the rest of it there was no sanitation on it I mean there was at one point where we had to put more war in um, because they felt that it wasn't effective enough oh. in telling the story um, and look, I mean to take that another step further I mean we, we shouldn't have got this away with the BBC you know or local broadcaster here because the, where's the need for it for, the, for British society and the rest of it so they have a platform. This story gets shown across the world, and and it has been. And we're getting messages from all corners of the earth now. Um, uh, as and as as more and more people become aware of it, I think they've soft, soft launched the platform, and they'll get a big marketing push ahead of the World Cup. Um, uh, we, you know, it will be there, and and people will watch it and watch it and. Look, I mean, I, I can see the stats in the Croatia. I think practically the whole country's watched it already. So, <laughs> um, 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 it's um, kind of kind of remarkable, really. But it's great to great to be able to have the space to tell something like this. Um, uh, and look, I mean, I think we 
I hope we've done the story justice. Oh, I, well, I think we have. We've had enough good messages from people that should be critical of this stuff saying that they, they think it's great. So, um, yeah. you know, there we are. Superb stuff. And just to clarify, so the, the FIFA Plus, this is FIFA's own launch. It's their, it's their baby, isn't it? And Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, obviously, you know, there's the, it will be eventually sold elsewhere and all the rest of it, I should imagine. And, and then, you know, then we have joint ownership over it and that, that point of thing. But that's, uh, that's the thing. But yeah, I mean, they as the original commissioners of it, they, you know, they... Um, and look, I mean, as, look, they, they have a PR job, obviously, to do, uh, FIFA. Uh, and it, it's... Um, it's been really interesting. We had a screening with people like Tariq Panja from the New York Times and um, uh, Don McRae from The Guardian and, and loads of people and quite a few people who are critical of lots of things that are on at the moment. And I think there's unanimous sort of like, well, if more stuff like this comes out, it's, it's only a good thing. Hmm. I think on the platform as well, and don't quote me on this, but there's um, loads of live games that are free to watch. So for, a, say, a nation like, um, let's say, the Croatian League, actually, um, I, I don't think the rights are sold in Europe for that. I think it's sold in various other places, but not in Europe. So you can watch the Croatian League for free on the FIFA app or the Danish League, or whatever. So there's something you want to watch. It's there. It's on all the time. It's live. Um, uh, and they have uh, all the archive of all the old World Cups. You can watch any game. Um, from start to finish you can watch all those amazingly beautifully shot films that they they do for each world cup they usually get like a famous actor to voice over it and all the rest yes, of it yeah they still are they were, they were always filmed on celluloid weren't they and they had that magical feel oh, absolutely yeah yeah and yeah i mean they, they, they're sort of filmed on digital cameras these days I, I sort of think it's i mean it's a uh it's a job i got offered actually a few tournaments ago and i couldn't do it um and I'd love to do it, but I, if I did get the chance, I would go back to film because, like, the, the France 98 stuff, Russell, was just yeah. amazing. And there's just a certain quality that you get from it. And you, you, you said earlier the Super 8 stuff. I mean, that's all film shots, film stuff from um, from Serbia. Uh, and they, they re-scanned it for us and all the rest of it. And it's just like, when you when you start dealing with proper stuff, it's just that there's that little magical quality that takes you. And you do get it with certain things. I mean, we shoot... I largely shoot on Harry now, um, which is what a lot of the, the big films are shot on. And and like you can, you know, that all the stuff from that looks great, but there's still nothing quite like, you know, seeing the canister and the film burn and the um, you know, it's it's still it's still amazing. So anyway, all that stuff's available for free, and I think it's always going to be free. I think there's like a an ad that pops up uh, every now and again. Um, um so yeah. And Jaws is already available. It is. It is already. Out it's there. already there. Yeah, it's already available. And, yeah. May, it? it came out. Yeah, it came out on the thirtieth of May. Uh, so it's doing its thing now. Um, uh, it's been interesting because usually when you do this stuff, um, you. I mean, we did have a premiere, uh, but it, we kept it small for a reason. All the rest of it, because there's a lot of football going on. But we we had we felt we had to have the premiere on Croatian Independence Day. So we we had, as I say, the Croatian first team there, a lot of the old team, the Croatian prime minister was there. Um, uh, and uh, so, you know, we felt you know, it's the right thing to do that. Um, uh, and then, um, interestingly, it's one of those, and it's always the case with docs. I mean, like, even the, unless it's something massive, like, you know, and it's a capacity thing that, you, you know, can get the budget to do all the marketing, it, they start off slow. Um, but usually there's a big you know, film festival to go with and all the rest of it. But it's it's now it's nice. I wake up every day to a few messages here and there from people who have like come across it and 
um you know there's you know more and more interviews being done on the rest of it um and look i mean it's um it's still it's going to become even more relevant ahead of the world cup the croatian team are going to be watching it ahead of every game they say uh, and a long chat to Mateo wow. Kovacic afterwards. Uh, he he knew about the story, obviously, but he'd never seen it properly. Never been put together like this, and he was he was almost speechless. Um, Borna Salsa, the left back, who's likely to go into the Premier League this year. Uh, he, he's like, look, we, you know, I you know, I will make I will make the team watch this ahead of every game, so we know what That's was. A hell of a tribute, isn't it? That's yeah, 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 yeah. But it means a lot to them, you know, and it's it obviously does because and. And, we, and you, you talked about nationalism earlier. You know, it's a very dangerous thing, nationalism, it can be. Um, but um, in this case, probably not. You know, it's patriotism. It's a slightly different thing. And it's mm. just love for the country. And there, there will be a massive pride of identity for those people because, look, I mean, the, the, the politics of that region go back thousands of years. And I think, as Winston Churchill said, the Balkans have more politics and they can consume or more, make more history than they can consume. Um, but those, those, you know, that those national identities do go back a long, long way. Um, so it's still relatively new, right? You know, yeah. um, and unfortunately, the region's still unstable. So you know, they they will obviously, you know, want to celebrate the good parts of it, of which the football team is clearly one. Absolutely. Now, Louis, let's switch tack. Let's get on to the Albion a little bit as we as we round off on this episode. Um, first, one bit of news, actually. Uh, young Benicio Baker Buati, I think that's pronounced, um, who we had on loan uh, for one of our youth team levels uh, last sec- uh, the second half of last season, has now signed on a permanent deal. I guess he's going into the youth uh, ranks again or out on loan somewhere um but some um, we're clearly impressed enough with him so that's one bit of albion news um since we were last on um in terms of the season though i mean we've obviously we chatted to you uh, i can't remember what it was now it must be a couple of years ago probably or a year and a half. it was uh i think it was april last year oh was it yeah yeah there we go yeah yeah, yeah. So, so we've had the whole season since we spoke to you and um what do you make of it records uh records broken highest position we've ever finished fantastic um some entertaining football and um we managed to get some goals still not perfect in that regard are we but but i think an improvement on the previous season how how have you found the season and what what are your highlights and lowlights uh well i think the highlight has very clearly got to be manchester united game at home i think uh my parents had come up from plymouth for the weekend and so i'd I'd taken them to the game and it was you know, for all of us that had been there through the 90s, you know, could you have dreamed of smashing a team, especially in the 90s when the United was so dominant, you know, and I know they're not as good, especially at the moment, as they were, but, you know, it won't take much to fix United, I don't think, you know, a lot of, it's just a, a bit of attitude, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and a couple of players, and so that was, you know, a remarkable, and it could have been five or six, couldn't it, really? Um so that was, yeah, that stands long in the memory. I mean, I did like Spurs away. I sort of um, snuck into that one. I was filming on another project near the ground um, and I uh, was supposed to go up to see my in-laws um, straight away, but um, managed to get a ticket in the home end right in the middle of the, the that big stand that they have. Um, so I had to pretend to not be a Brighton fan um, and, uh, you know, and then hear all the groans when Brighton scored and all the rest of it. Of course, that game was probably was the one that 
sealed it for Basuma going to Spurs because he was him and Kaiseido that they were amazing. So those two, the ones that clearly stick out. But um, look, I mean, it was yeah. I mean, it was, I think you kind of said it in the in the intro. Really, we we were brilliant. We scored more goals. We still haven't scored. I mean, if we get anywhere near our XG or whatever it is, then mm-hmm. you know. And look, we're not that far away from the European piece. You know, what are we like? Uh, you turn three of those draws into wins and you're, you're in the Conference League, you turn five of them into wins and you're in the Europa League. And, you know, I think that will come. I really do. I mean, we'll see what business gets done for, for the the rest of the um, the transfer window. I think they're signing this guy from Denmark today, aren't they? Um, That's the other uh, bit, actually, yeah. I've yeah, got, I'll say his name is it Aridson, I think, or something like that. Uh, and and Andy Andy Andigra, I think. I'm, I'm checking. I'm checking. Simon Adingra. Simon Adingra. He plays for the Ivory Coast. That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh look, here we are. There's um, yeah. I mean, that looks like it's happening now, doesn't it? Yeah, he's been today, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's a very typical Brighton signing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, someone you haven't quite heard of looks like he's very good. You know, play him and play him and see how he goes. And look, I mean, it, I think it's taken a long time for this um, talent development to come into fruition. But I mean, it was wonderful to see so many players break through. I mean, look, Tarek Lamptey is clearly the standout star of the season before. I mean, he was obviously good again this season, but he, you know, he's not not stand out in the way that some of the others that have come through to have been. And and, look, and we've still got people like Sarmiento to, to play, who yes. looks like he's a, a real talent, but we don't know because he kept on getting injured. But, you know, I mean, he's playing for Ecuador week, uh, for every game now. So he'll clearly get more of a run out. So it's, it, it's only going to get more exciting, I think. And look, you kind of have to pinch yourself, really, don't you? That, um, um, and for me, I think... And before we came in this part, we were chatting about Liverpool a bit. Um, and for me, supporting someone like Liverpool could be really boring because you're always in the shout of winning something and, you know, um, there's an expectation. And I mean, to be fair, they took it with good grace, not winning the quadruple this year. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, you know, that, that, you know, that being a Man City fan must be pretty dull. You know, you kind of know you're going to finish first or second every year. You know, yeah. you can buy anyone that you want. Everything's a bit of a cakewalk. Whereas for Brighton fan, I mean, like we play lovely football, um, and it's exciting. But we're not, you know, we'd be it'd be nice to win something. I'm sure we will do one day. But you know, the ride is yeah. is kind of more exciting for me. You know. It's- it's exciting to get the recognition when we do get it, which obviously hasn't been amazingly forthcoming, being a club of a lower profile in the media's eyes. But it's, I think that's gradually changing. We are now being regarded as one of the most progressive clubs in the country, I think. People are recognising our recruitment policy, our strategy, our, mm. our modus operandi of you know, de- development, mm. sell high, buy, buy low. As you said, people under the radar that people have never heard of more often mm. than not. And... It's it's a great model. It works well, and I think as long as you've got the right components in there to help that to smooth the um, you know, smooth the wheels, which we have got, and I think we have succession planning to change that when we need to. If someone moves, we've got someone else to step in. We can yeah. keep holding those wheels, and I think it, it works as a really good model. I think, and for a club of our size, who's never never really barring a crazy oil rich scenario in the future, we're never going to be um, in a top four, top six type of scenario, apart from maybe. 
in isolation one time when we have a fantastic year, maybe. So we're, we're in that next batch, and I think we're as good as anybody in the next batch at the moment. Uh, which, well, we're, know, not far, we're not far off being as good as the top four, really. I mean, I mean, it wasn't was yeah. it last season. I mean, this season, I think, it's probably a fair result of where we are, because I think when we did lose the games, that six in a row... Hmm. Well, maybe a couple of them. He could have thought we could have got a point, but I mean, Burnley at home was dreadful, and I missed a bit of game, but it didn't sound like it was that much better. Um, you know, so we did have the stinkers. Um, but the season before, I thought we, we, you know, it was it was so frustrating watching those games because we were so good for so many of the games that we lost, you know, and and if he'd got what we deserved, we would have been fourth or fifth, I think. So, and it, look, and, and look, this is the big thing. I mean, like you know, we. We give these teams. I mean, I think we've beaten everyone now of the top six, haven't we? Apart from Chelsea. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and and we should have beaten them twice last season. So you know, and that will come, you know, at some point. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, speaking of Chelsea, and, and you mentioned Lamptey earlier. Um, of course, uh, came from there. Um, he was indeed, you know, the, the real dazzler from the season before the one just finished. Hmm. One just has just finished. I think you voted in our in our poll for um, Kukurea, didn't you? As the top choice, was oh, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent, um, yeah, yeah. Just to say he won it. <laughs> um, yeah, he's been absolutely magnificent, hasn't he? There is a possible threat he could go, but I, I'm hearing that there's there there a bit of a disparity between uh, City and Albion's uh, wants in terms of transfer fee. If that is the case, he may end up staying for another year or more, I would like him to stay another year because I, I don't like that. Well, I, I think this thing of building players up, letting them know they've got opportunities to progress with other clubs and step mm. on is great. And selling one per year is great, maybe two, but I don't think it, it just feels too early to sell him now. We want to have another year from him, don't we? Because the, the talent is, is definitely going to escalate uh, in, in his, his regard anyway. So I'd rather have just one more year with him, I think, just to, um, just to link him more indelibly with us before he moves on. I think, I mean, what an impact he's had. And I mean, look, he's had real cut through because uh, all of my family, and some of whom aren't Brighton fans, know Kukurea and love him. Um, you can just Everyone. tell, what the, yeah. you could just tell by the way he is that he's just a lovable character. Um, and, and it's great to have, um, to, to see him play. I mean, like, I mean, he's so good going forward, but he's also very good at defending as well. And I can totally see why, you know, someone like Man City would want him. Hmm. Um, I mean, you know, the thing is, it would improve them. Do they need him? Probably not. Um, um, I think, yeah. Look, I mean, he 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 will obviously go one day. Um, I think selling him now or next year is not going to make too much difference on the price, apart from it going up. Yeah. Um, um, and look, he, I think he was the key for doing a bit better last season because he was suddenly an outlet, yes. as opposed to. Um, I mean. I, to be fair, Solly March did a fantastic job when he was in that position and he still does play that position. Uh, but, you know, Dan Byrne was um, a good tactic to put him on the left wing, but, you know, he's not, you know, he, he could do one or the other. You know, he could be forward, but he couldn't get back and he could be back and he couldn't get forward. So, um, uh, look, clearly, clearly a standout player. Um, and look, I mean, I mean, imagine if you kept him. Um, yes, Basuma's a, a, a big loss, but we all knew it was going to happen anyway. Mm. And I think it's, you know, good good for him, good for the club. Um, I don't think, I'm certainly not concerned about him going in terms of, obviously, Kai Seido is coming 
into that position and clearly play that very well. Jakob Moda was very good before he got his injury. I know that would take a while for him to get back, but he'll be in there. I think Pascal Gross signing is is fantastic for the club. Um, I think you know he proved his worth again this last season. I think he he, he could would would fit into the best Albion teams of all time now. Just the the fact he's so consistent. So you know the midfield's kind of sorted. So we kind of and so therefore we kind of know that we probably need that you know that striker, um, which we might have with them. We might have with Mister Mel. We might have with all these players we haven't quite seen yet. It might already be there. Um, but you know that there's a couple of little things. I think we might be, you know, we'll see um, see what the centre-back situation is like um, uh, coming in. I feel like we could be slightly weak in there. But um, look, it's it's probably one or two more improvements now for the first team um, for it to, to go to the next level. And yeah, yeah clearly in the, in the striking position. Uh, even if it's a if it's a striker or a, a number ten or whatever you want to call it these days, yeah, it's exciting times. And just where we're going to develop, how players are suddenly going to pop up and step on uh, mm. from the status they're at. It's uh, there's there's mm. all sorts of possibilities out there. It's great. I did hear um, Mr. Vickery, Tim Vickery, on them. Um, I think it was on Talk Sport this week saying uh, the only person that we've signed. He, he was convinced that Alexis McAllister would make the grade. He was convinced Caicedo would make the grade, and um, I think he also he mentioned something complimentary about. Sarmiento as well but he said um, and Cizo's the one he's less sure about because he's more of a slight frame and he, he, I think it sounds as if if what he says is true that he's maybe not ready for the Premier League yet it sounds as if then Cizo may have to go on loan for a season possibly to Belgium possibly to a championship team I don't know but um, I, I guess we won't be expecting if if that's any guide um, him to be involved this season but we as you said we've got Undavin anyway who has now become accustomed to um, uh, you know, to to some more first team football, and I think you know he's played with Mitoma and Kozlovski mm-hmm. last season. So if if they're involved as well, they already have a bit of an understanding amongst themselves as well. Yeah, I mean that's very exciting because you've got three players that have already, I guess, formed a bond, bonded, right? Yeah. Um, in in Cisco, I mean it's, um, I mean I I um, Tim's I've worked closely with Tim uh, on a few projects, so I I trust his judgment. Yeah. Um, I doubt the club would have signed someone that they didn't see anything in. And given that they tried to sign him for two windows in a row, I'm sure he, I'm sure they've done their homework. Um, he looks slight for sure, but um, yeah, quite sounds like a loan. Sounds like I mean, there was that season where Trossard signed and he was great, and then he bulked up, didn't he? Yeah. And now I'd say he's one of the key players. Um, um, well, my daughter's just going to join me. <laughs> hello. Just say hello. Hello. <laughs> um, darling, I'm just on the interview. Can I, can I consult you in a second? I oh, know. I'll come and see you in a second, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Now I've got to give that back to the band tomorrow. I'll be with ten minutes, darling. Okay. You got a bit of editing to do, here, Russell. <laughs> that's all right. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> darling, can I? Hang on. I'll just pause you a sec. Darling, can you? Can I come and see you in ten minutes? Okay. Hmm? Why have I scribbled that? Because I've got to give it to a delivery man tomorrow. Why? Because that's my old phone and they need to have it back. Go and see Grandma, darling. <laughs> that's right. We can oh. do a bit of editing on that one. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. That's right. um, I'll, I'll, pick, I'll pick it up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've known Tim for a long time, worked with him closely on things like Kaiser and um, I very much trust his judgment, but I doubt the club would have signed someone that they didn't 
um, they didn't believe in. Um, and look, I mean, he looks like he he can score the goals. I think I think his analysis was very much along the lines of he's slight, he's young, he needs to bulk up. But obviously, the Paraguayan league is not the Premier League. Yeah. The Ecuadorian league is higher. The, you know, obviously, the Argentine league is very strong. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, look at um, you, you know, in terms of being slight, look at the likes of Trossard. He went from you know maybe signing quite small, petite, to really bulking up, like getting some real muscle on him and. And uh, he and now he, it's hard to get him off the ball, isn't it? It's um, and he's now becoming a key part of that Belgian national side. Did you see his goal, by the way, a couple of weeks ago? I haven't actually. I haven't tracked it down yet. I need to. I need to look into that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Was it against? It was against Poland. Oh Poland, against yeah. Poland, yeah. Uh, and um, I mean, absolute screamer. And, and it cuts to Eden Hazard afterwards, and he's in astonishment about how good the goal. Is. <laughs> um, so you know, they, there's there's. Um, uh, you know, there's the you know. I think bulking up is probably not so much the issue. It's probably just mentality and all the rest of it. But I mean, crazy scenes though. I mean, you saw he was on the Paraguayan version of Loose Women and uh, had 24 hour rolling coverage from the signing and all the rest of it. It was kind of um, kind of amazing to watch. Um, well, wow. really, you know. Yeah, yeah. We look forward to seeing him in due course. As I said a transitional season is always what Tim likes to see with South American players coming to Europe, anyway, isn't it? Mm. Uh, if, if they're going to come to England, um, so we'll, we'll see what see what transpires on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean that pretty much sums up for today. Only thing just to quickly mention again. So the the film is called Croatia Defining a Nation, isn't it? And it is available on FIFA Plus, the app. And um, people can look it up. We'll put the link out on uh, mm. on our Twitter feed and also on our, ed- our episode notes on this. Yeah. Um, so look it look it up, check it out. It's definitely worth a go. Uh, it's a great film, and congratulations on it, Louis. Thank I you very much. Superb. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining us again. We'll no doubt get you back at some point, which will be great. Um, but in the meantime, stand or fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.